Charles Louis Mortgage Advisors, 0161-959-0166. Welcome along to the latest Forever Blue podcast, which uh, naturally uh, for this episode is going to be somewhat celebratory because City have just beaten United at Old Trafford. Um, When I say it it doesn't usually happen, I I read a statistic yesterday that City have now won more Premier League games at Old Trafford than any other team, apart from United, obviously. But as an away team, they've won more games at Old Trafford than anybody else. Um, So maybe it is happening now more regularly, certainly than when I started watching football uh, back in the 70s. And I suspect when my first guest um, was was playing there as well. Um, So without further ado, let me introduce my guest with a quick mention to to our sponsors, charleslouis.co.uk, Chartered Mortgage Advisors, who are the sponsors of this podcast. Very much appreciated. Uh, They've been there right from the word go, really, and uh, they've continued their support all the way through. Have a look at the website, charleslouis.co.uk, and you'll find uh, that they have a phone number on there, they have a address, they're based in the Berry area, uh, they're run by Dave, who is a big City fan, and they will be more than happy to help you with anything you need to know about getting a mortgage or the whole transaction process between buying and selling, whether you're commercial or private. So check them out. Have a look at them on Twitter as well. I often put their Twitter handle in uh, and they're, they're very, very sound company. So thanks very much to them. Now, in terms of my guests today, um, I have a personal hero of mine and, and somebody I think I consider a friend these days, Mr. David White, the flying winger, who uh, gave us so much pleasure during his era of playing for Manchester City. So, David, thanks very much for, for joining us. No problem. Good to see you. And we also got Amy, who's one of our Forever Blue podcast regulars, and Harlan, who uh, I think most people who listen regularly or watch the vlogs, by the way, will have seen many, many occasions. And by the way, if you haven't watched the vlog from Old Trafford, um, go and search it out. YouTube, Ian Cheeseman, Forever Blue, put that in and you'll find the vlog from Old Trafford. There's a lot of singing in there, a lot of supporters. I thought I'd try and capture the joy of the fans as they celebrate, as well as hearing from people like Sean Golter, Nader Manua. Uh, and I also went down and made an appearance on Talk Sport. Now, I know that not every City fan is massive, massively a supporter of Talk Sport, so I went on there to talk sensibly and I think I achieved it. So um, there you go. I'll list- well, you can't listen to that now, I suppose, unless you listen on catch up. So, David, let's start with the Manchester derby. Winning at Old Trafford is something special for City fans. You are a, a dyed-in-the-wool blue, as well as being a former City player. What did it mean to you? No, it was, it was great. I, I, I actually um, missed the game. It was my birthday last week. Um, and I don't know, the whole host of things happened over the week that um, I was just told to turn up here, turn up there. So... I spent the time the day on uh, well the, during the game on a on a barge up and down the Bridgewater Canal and which was which was brilliant um, with the family and and literally from where I live now to where I live when I was a, where, where I live when I kid I was a kid in uh, in Eccles so that was great so um, apologies I've not seen the whole game obviously seen match of the day highlights um, the result I, th- I think everybody thought it, it could go either way I think it was. Um, City were either going to walk away with it or maybe United, United might nick it and we, I think we knew we were going to have the possession um, I think he I think he played it um, absolutely spot on they were brilliant uh, the result um, sort of combined as with, with Chelsea's um, draw it's uh, it's been a great weekend and, and hopefully maybe a Liverpool defeat today if it's asking for too much or even a draw in that game um, we'll, it would sort of cap a perfect weekend I think um, something I never was able to do as a player. It, it, we always found the the games at Old Trafford were were at uh, Main Road. We we did okay, um, but the, um, the the Old Trafford games were always very very difficult difficult encounters for us. Never won there. Um, so we had two or three great games at Main Road, and, and obviously the, the five one was the only time. Uh, I ever managed to, to to get three points against against United home or away, and I think the I think probably Kevin Keegan coming seemed to galvanise City into believing that they, they could compete and win in derbies, um, and obviously there's been a, a few reversals recently. So so to get that um, the two 0 win and for it to be so convincing was was absolutely fantastic. 
I mean, I went many, many years without seeing City win at, uh, at Old Trafford. So I've never take for granted when I go there. But I must admit, I went to Old Trafford quietly confident. The one thing which we'll talk about a little bit later on was, was whether team selection would have a bearing on the ultimate result. But to go to Old Trafford, um, remembering what they did with the banner at, at the Stretford end and all the rest of it, um, going there and winning is something we should always relish and enjoy as blues, isn't it? Oh, definitely. And, and uh, as I say, the, the it was something that I, I never achieved as a as a, a player. I don't I don't think I'm not sure I ever went to a uh, an Old Trafford derby as a fan. Um, the the games are enormous, um, and 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 these these more rivalries. Obviously, the Liverpool rivalry is getting bigger and bigger too. But to, to go there, and I think just the manner of the the victory um, was ab- absolutely absolutely incredible. I've, I've actually got it on. I'm still watching it now. To be honest, just the uh, the side of me here, and, and the uh, for us to to go there and, and dominate, um, and, and I think I know we didn't we didn't get the four or five goals like Liverpool did, but dominated the game just just as just as convincingly. So you know it really is incredible. In one minute, I'm gonna have to just plug my laptop in, otherwise I'm gonna lose back on it. So every one minute, Pat. Okay. Well, while David's well, doing that, I'll talk to Amy and ask her what she thought of the derby. I mean, it was. Um, it was one of those games which, as a blue, you have to relish. And I'm guessing that you were glued to it, watching it, and and then relished it as very bit as much as any City fan. Yeah, and um, I think the the good thing we was straight out of the trap, um, and I think that was the best way to go about it. Um, and I'm always like, I always feel dead sick before Derby days. I don't like particularly like the 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 build-up and I'm quite glad it was an early kickoff because I didn't have as much like stress to like cope with um but yeah like just straight away you know kickoff was just that was the way to go um and even though it's an own goal you have to congratulate how well it was actually a good goal um and then uh, <laughs> You know, one of the statistics that I read somebody put up the other day, which which I thought was hilarious, but also true, is that United had um, three shots on target, um, two at De Gea, one he saved and one went in, and one at Edison. So they only actually created three chances, and two of them against their own goalkeeper. I mean, that, that, that just makes it even better, doesn't it? Yeah, and like someone put on Twitter that United had more, had more shots that did De Gea than we did. Um, but yeah, it's just, just like, just to be, just, it just made the day, like, just, just makes you happy, like, you can go in, I mean, I'm quite lucky at work, I've not really got a lot of United fans, and my boss is a City fan, so I am quite lucky, really, that, whereas some people, like, say you work in offices and stuff, I can imagine Derby Day, you know, is, like, quite thingy when, if you've got like United fans in there and you know, it's a, you're able to walk in with your head held high. Um, so yeah, it just, it just cheers you up. It just make, makes you feel, cause I, like I'm always the pessimistic person. I always think, oh, you know what they like United, they'll play rubbish like for the first few days and then Derby will come and they'll, they'll beat us. But I think we had our, we had our heads up. We were, we were like, say we were straight out the trap. We, we knew what we were doing. Um, yeah, it was just a brilliant, brilliant day. Who were the standout City players for you? Uh, Cancelo. I have to, he's not getting the thick credit he deserves. That guy in the last few matches has been absolutely brilliant. Um, Bernardo, obviously. Um, and Phil, Phil Bolden, he's just, he's just amazing. Kevin seemed to be a lot better. He didn't seem to be making as many mistakes. Um, what Ronaldo did to him wasn't nice, but that's Ronaldo for you. Um, so yeah, but yeah, you have to give big applause to Cancelo. He's not, and I was glad Gary Neville gave him the man of the match because he really did deserve it. He's done brilliant for the last couple few games, and he should be really applauded. I mean, there's one player that's really stood out for me this season. It is Bernardo Silva. I mean, I know you didn't watch the full derby match yet, uh, Davey, but you've seen enough of Bernardo Silva to to either disagree with me, which I'd find staggering if you did, <laughs> or to agree with me because he's he's been amazing, hasn't he? He's, he's absolutely incredible. Um, you know, to obviously one of the, the greatest players we ever had in, in David Silva and 
it's fairly it's pretty ironic that we uh, potentially we've got another one on, on our hands and, and uh, you know the thought that in the summer there was talk of us losing him and I don't know whether that seems to me maybe he, he wanted to sort of be guaranteeing himself more you know regular regular games but he, he, he stayed the, the, the game move never never happened whether it was partially to to finance that I just, just hope to well I can't for the life of me believe that um, there'd be any thought of, of of that of him being in, involved in any deal um, in January, he's, he's been absolutely immense. His work rate is incredible. Um, he, his uh, his fitness is is magnificent, but he's he's also brilliant on the ball. And at times, he he, he you know the way he can get the, the whole team up the field, retains possession of the ball, brilliant. Happy to play everywhere. Um, you know, you, you you could quite happily put him in in any of the. the Six forward positions. I'm sure he'd even even do you as I said five forward positions. I'm sure even if you asked him to do Rodri or Fernandino's job, he'd, um, he'd he'd give it a good shot. He's been absolutely incredible. Um, and as I say, I just I just hope to God that there's no thoughts of, of him leaving the football club. When City play like they did at Old Trafford, they they seem to me to be almost unplayable and. If there's a secret to it, and Pep's always said that there is no secret to it, and match of the day last night, you know, talked about the uh, the energy that they put in off the ball as much as what they put on the ball. But to me, the, the real key to it is you never see a player receive the ball and then almost stop and think and have a look around and play the ball. As soon as they get it, they immediately accelerate, immediately that the ball is played forward into an attacking position. And if I was a defender, I'd be thinking, this is incessant. They just mm. keep coming. They just keep coming. And, and that, that to me, is, is the, the secret ingredient. Is, is that something you... Yeah, I think so. I think, obviously, football's it's, it's evolving very, very quickly in terms of, um, you know, getting getting the ball back, the, trans, the transitions, as, as they call it now. You know, in, in our day... You lost the ball, and your natural reaction would be to to um, to go backwards and and sort of have a have a have a breather. And he doesn't allow them to do that. As soon as the, the ball is lost, you know, I, it was it was interesting listening to the game yesterday as as I was early on the first sort of half hour. I caught on the radio or the commentary, and the themes seemed to be that when United were losing the ball, they were retreating, um, and City were losing the ball and and, and just hunting immediately and in. in in packs of five and six, and, and that 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 definitely has been the secret. And also, um, I saw just a clip of something with Arsene Wenger uh, a couple of weeks ago, two or three weeks ago, where he was talking about um, analysing the number of times people uh, look around themselves before in the, I think it's in the, the, the 20 seconds before they actually receive possession. And he's, he's basically saying that the average player's will get a picture three or four times um, but the really good players take seven or eight pictures and they know exactly what's going on and, and obviously De Bruyne is a genius at that you know and, and, and if you you know you, you watch him he is forever looking around and, and, and if you stopped and put a blindfold on him he'd be able to tell you where everybody was where all his uh, his teammates were on the field where all the, the opposition is. And, it, and it's just an, you, you think it's just an instinct but when you look at it in, in that way that he's forever just taking the, these little pictures. And I think that rubs off um, with them all. I mean, Gundogan's, a, a, we talked about Bernardo, but Gundogan's a fantastic footballer as well. Obviously, Phil Foden uh, is an, an incredible, he's not, he's not just, we shouldn't be talking about Phil Foden, uh, how good he is for his age. He, he's just a, a brilliant footballer, uh, you know, at, at world level, I would say. Um, so uh, the, we've just got, Absolutely incredible players in the, in those midfield areas, um, and and as, and as you say that this those pictures they just give you the ability to do exactly what you were describing. There doesn't need to be a hesitation. They're not taking that picture after they've received the ball. They take they taking those pictures before, and they immediately know what they're going to do. And and the, the secret. I, I, I was at the Burnley game and. Um, I know Sterling at the moment doesn't seem to have those pictures, and, and Akai to to a to a degree. We we had nine players who, who were playing in that way, and those two to to for me weren't. And then it, you know it was the next the next game. Those are the two players that uh, are left out of the team. But but overall, we've got so many players 
who do play the the game in that way. They, they and they also know, you know, even even the 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 players that we consider to be maybe our elite players, Kevin. Um, you know, he's not afraid of leaving them out. He's not afraid of leaving hundred million pound Jack Grealish out of the team. Um, and and that gives also gives them a, a little bit of a rest because I think they also know that they will they will get games and they'll get games in 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 the in the elite games. So oh, overall, the the uh, obviously disappointments Crystal Palace is it, but you know Palace Palace are doing well. They're, they're you know they're not a bad team and you, you're going to get those reversals. You just can't afford too many of them. Um, but overall, the 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 quality of the the players we've got. In the in the forward positions and well as as uh, as Amy said the um, I think in Kyle Walker we've got a, a Rolls Royce of a of a footballer uh, and, and Cancelo he, he does look uh, incredible uh, um, in 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 either fullback position with good competition at, at, um, in central defence it, it you know it really really does look good but and, and I'm sure we'll touch on it later on I do still believe. We need a centre forward. I, I, you know, I, I can't. Uh, I, I wrote down the the, the goal scorers. Um, where where we got to, Maris has got eight, and and then we're into fives and fours. Um, Salah's got fifteen, and and I, I think and people will say, well, we you know he did it last year. We won it without um, a centre forward, and we won it without a number nine. But we we didn't win the Champions League, did we? And and that's that's where. Surely the aspiration of this football club is, is to is to win the Champions League. I know I know we came close, but, but we didn't win it. And I, I, I still I still have to um, I take some an awful lot of convincing that you know we shouldn't have that we we don't need a number nine in the football club. I certainly think we do. Let me bring in Harley. Um, obviously, the derby is, is something that we all enjoy. How much did you enjoy that derby match, Harlan? Mate, it was fantastic, honestly, to to just see the way that we, we imposed ourselves at Old Trafford uh, 10 years on. A mate of mine, Joel, had said that the scoreline would be 6-1 again. And I said, I tell you what, if it is 10 years on, we'll be in for some game. I'll tell you something, it probably could have been in. It probably could have been you know, 6-0. Um, we had that many great chances. Um, obviously, I don't get into expected goals. It's part of the statistical game now, of course. It's something that a lot of analysts look at. Obviously, it's it's the probability that you'd score from certain goal-scoring opportunities that you create. And our expected goals yesterday was was very high. Uh, we create that many chances that we probably should be scoring uh, probably six or seven goals a game. Um, there'll come a time this season, and it'll probably be Norwich at home, where we score six or seven goals at home and win six or seven nil. We did You've it to them, by the way, five nil already at home. Oh, sorry. Yeah, we have beaten them five 0 Sorry. Yeah, uh, my apologies. But um, no, somebody, somebody's. What I'm trying to say is somebody's due an absolute thumping. Um, somebody's due a real thumping. Where in a specific match we um, we 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 put all our chances away, and yesterday could have been one of those days. And yeah, but isn't one of the theories I've seen this all over the internet that you know the jokes and everything that that Pep did his pre-match team talk and said. Uh, we want to win this game. We want to get a couple of goals and, and you know, win fairly comfortably, but we don't want to overdo it because we want to keep Ole Gunnar Solskjaer in a job. I mean, that was de- definitely the mantra of a lot of City fans. So, um, we, I mean, joking apart, although you can obviously answer that one if you want, Harlan, but um, Liverpool seemed to ease off at 5-0, didn't they? And they, they could have got, you know, who knows, they could have got 10 in their game. Yeah, I mean, look, he's he's a he's a performance manager. Pep. How many times does he say that results, you know, you know, the business results based business? But he's a performance manager. Um, of course, he'd have loved it if we'd have scored five or six yesterday and come away with a six 0 win. But I think the way we played, sometimes I can take a, a two 0 win and look at the performance and go, that was a brilliant away performance at Old Trafford, where we 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 didn't really give him a sniff. They had one volley. Ronaldo volley. Other than that, a couple of really half chances that didn't actually materialise into anything. The way we knocked the ball around yesterday, I mean, all laying. I mean, talk about him being all egg on a social. I mean, all lay, all lay, all lay, all lay, gone a social. Do you know what I mean? The way we knocked the ball around at ease, the, the fans getting up for it. You could hear, you know, all you guys on the TV. 
just just the whole atmosphere of knowing that we were going to Old Trafford 10 years on and dominating them in a completely different way to the last time under Mancini, but with a real spring in our step. And as the game went on, we just looked better and better and better. Even when we weren't free-flowing in terms of, you know, shot after shot, we still looked great in build-up. And I think that to do that at Old Trafford, especially with them having spent as much, and I'll say it again, like I said last week, as much, if not more than us, proves why money doesn't bring success and top-quality coaching and great recruitment does. The manager's so crucial in all of this. Um, ten years ago, I think it was about ten years ago, perhaps a bit less than that, um, Jose Mourinho was in charge and the City fans were singing part of the bus and and that, that was the theme. I did a, a YouTube video which has had nearly... You know, a quarter of a million views now, which which was a lot of it was City fans singing part the bus. Yesterday at Old Trafford, it was Ollie's at the wheel. Um, as a as a former player, David, do you have and as a blue as well can qualify this in several ways? Do you have any sympathy for managers getting that level of stick because they are human beings, or do you just as a blue think, nah, <laughs> just love it? Oh, it's just part. It's just part of football. It's, it's um, getting getting grief off fans is uh, it's not pleasant if it's directed your way, particularly if it you know if it comes from your your own fans. But um, you know they, these are these are hardened professionals, particularly the managers of that, and you know they're earning hundreds of thousands of pounds a week, and, they, and nothing's that that level of um, stick and abuse isn't going to hurt them. But, but the results are, and, and I think you can you know you've uh, you just got to look at. Um, Solskjaer, at the minute, I'm, in my in my opinion, um, United have got to look look around themselves, and, and this league has got now the best managers in in the world, um, and and I, and I to- totally agree that it, it, it come ultimately it comes down to coaching, it comes down to how how a manager can work with and improve players, and I think we've seen some unbelievable examples of of our players. Being in, improved as uh, as footballers, massively improved as footballers over the last few years, um, and 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 I, you know, Oligoni Solskjaer is just not an elite level manager. He's, he's had the opportunity, and, and United are really missing a missing a trick. Um, and I don't know who it, who it would be. I don't know that there's that many elite managers that aren't, aren't in our league in in the world. Um, you know, Simeone maybe. You're taking a chance on on the 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 Ajax guy because you know he, he's he's only proven um, over a few years in in Holland, um, but you know this is Manchester United. They, they they still remain, you know, one of the biggest football clubs in the world, and they you know they they're gonna they're doing a real disservice to, to their to their fans, I, I believe, by not not employing an, an elite manager and letting the other clubs around them take all those managers. Uh, and he looks like he's struggling. If I'm being honest, honest with you, um, you, you know you do um, manage to You only got to look at Steve Bruce and how he looked when he um, in that that game he had, he had to endure his final game at Newcastle, and then a week later he's uh, and he looked awful. And a, a week later he's enjoying the sun in Dubai with his watching the cricket with his son, and he looks absolutely incredible because because all that all that pressure's come off. So he'll he'll, he'll certainly be feeling the pressure, um, but I think United have got to act. I think there was a good example of, of how a coach can make a difference is John Stones. Um, I, I think Stones has, has improved a lot under the coaching of Pep Guardiola. He releases the ball quicker, which we've talked about already in this podcast, about you know moving the ball on and not hesitating on it and not, not allowing the other team to settle. But when you watch him um, out of possession... He's all, he runs, he doesn't jog, he runs into position to make himself available all the time to Ruben Diaz or to Cancelo or, or of course, to Edison because he's part of the footballing stuff at the back and to Carl Walker or Rodri or anybody in that area. And he's always, and, and, and obviously when he doesn't get the ball, maybe a human reaction from any footballer is, well, that was a way, I mean, I don't know if you ever felt that way, David, you know, but, you know, you've made a run, you've drawn a player away and yeah. then the ball never comes to you. You've made a great run, and you see players look around and, and sort of go, you never, you never passed it to yeah. me. But in the bigger picture sometimes, that run has created the space, and you've got to keep making that run, which is tiring. And that's what all the players do, isn't it? Yeah, and I think the manager's 
totally uncompromising in, in, in his instruction. And I think I think you'll probably find that um, although we we think it's dark arts and there's a lot of science around it, a lot, a lot of the things that he's telling the players to do are very very straightforward instructions. But there is no no compromise. You you, you make those runs as you say. You make those passes. You 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 do these simple things that I'm telling you to do in this way. And if you don't do them, I'm, I ain't going to pick you. Um, and I think that's that's the beauty to what we have at the football club in terms of once you instill those disciplines, um, not only do you, do you know what the manager requires of you, the other players also know what you should be doing and also they know that you are going to do that because otherwise you there's somebody else quite, uh, you know, sat on the bench who's, who's happily waiting to, to follow out those instructions. And I think that's, that's what, what we have. I mean, from time to time, um, we can be so good that it's almost um, so predictable that it becomes a little bit boring to watch. And that sounds, sounds ridiculous, but it, it becomes so methodical. And there's, um, you know, sometimes, you know, fans like a bit, a bit more um, uncertainty, a bit more of what, you know, maybe it's a, a little bit more excitement. But it's those disciplines and, and, and that, um, though, that real sort of me um, methodical um, coaching that has gotten has got us the results over the last few years. And, and uh, you know, it's absolutely incredible. But I, I think that's what it is. And I think probably Jack Grealish is finding it uh, now where he, he, he came to the club as a free spirit. Um, uh, Aston Villa, you know, he didn't have loads and loads of defensive responsibility. He could wander all over the pitch. He was, he was the leader. Um, and he, and it's, you know, he's probably found it tough to, you know, you cannot move from that wide left position because that's how this football team is, is, is going to play. And that's a, I think that's a really difficult transition. I think he's done great, don't get me wrong. Um, but I, I, and I also think he's come with the right attitude to, and, and the understanding that that's what he's going to have to do. He's, he's going to He's going to have to have a lot more discipline um, in his game, but that's the that's the beauty of um, of the way we've got the, the team playing. It's you know it's absolutely incredible. A lot of thoughts Harlan. You give us your thoughts on on that because I'm sure you you're itching to. Yeah, I mean, last week against Palace, I did I did go on the vlog and I, I don't regret anything I said. I felt like against Palace we were. Very, very overly methodical, which touches on what David said then, where at times in games, there is a slight overthinking and over-recycling of possession, in possession of the ball, around the box, in the box. You know, when, when there is an opportunity to create, you know, something or even get a shot off, there are times where we play ourselves out of goal-scoring opportunities. We did that against Palace four or five times in each half. And we were we were we were we were sucker punched, um, and we, we we came off the back of a defeat because of that, in my opinion. So I was critical of Pep's reluctance sometimes to not. I said Plan B, not Plan B. It's a very typical thing to say. What I mean is, just be a bit more compromising with the players like Grealish that David mentioned, then like your Mares, like your Bernardo Silva. Um, and even your Sterling and give them players the license to, you know, like Omri said, you know, Pep will get you to the final third and then allow you to improvise and give your own flair and your own take on how you want to attack within reason. And I felt against Palace that wasn't being allowed to happen. It seemed too rigid, too structured. Um, yesterday, completely different, very much more free form, very exciting to watch. Like David said, I agree to an extent. There's times where, you know, three nil up against Brighton, we looked maybe a tiny bit passive for five, ten minutes, and then when we realised Brighton started to get a foothold in the game, a tiny bit of a foothold, we started to gear up again. But I feel like yesterday, from start to finish, we knew, even though we didn't score in the second half, we knew, we knew that we could pull United all over the shop. We could move. We could free form. We could cause complete and utter confusion in, in, in their their armory, which isn't very very strong at the moment. And I thought we did a number on them. And I think we'll do a number on a lot of teams in the league because I, I, and I was was on the tram back to, to do this now and just thinking to myself, we're so good. We, we, we're so good. I mean, who's got the answers to the Pep 
questions. Do you know what I mean? It, 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 there's not many in the world. I mean, like David said earlier on, we were one step away. We were a goal away in the Champions League final. We were a, a defensive midfielder and a Sergio Aguero half an hour away from winning it, in my opinion. They're the fine margins, but football-wise, we're up there. We're in the top three in the world. Obviously, if, if not the best. was a subject I wanted to bring up anyway. I mean, before I went to Old Trafford, I turned to my son and said, um, how are we going to go on today? And he said to me, uh, it depends what team he picks. So I said, do you want to qualify that a little bit? This wasn't on the record. It's just me and him chatting. And he said, uh, let's put it this way. Jack Greeley starts. We lose at Old Trafford. If he's left out, we draw or we win. He was proven to be right. Well, you can't prove he was right in the sense that we don't know what would have happened if Jack Grealish had started. But Amy, I just wonder what your thoughts are on, on Jack Grealish. He didn't play in this game. City did win the game. And there has been some criticism from fans and pundits alike saying that, uh, and I, I tend to agree, by the way, I'm not, I'm not just hiding behind other people's comments, that Grealish at the moment, and it may well change, slows the tempo of the game a little bit and he's being a little bit safe in the way that he plays. He doesn't enjoy being rigid in that position. Um, what, what are your views on that? Well, obviously, like his old club, he, he spent most of the time on the floor um, when he doesn't really get that now. So he's not really winning free kicks as much as he did. Um, so because of the way City play, he can't use that tactic. Um, some games I watch him and I think, yeah, he's, you know, I'm glad we bought him. You know, he's, he's all right. Then other times you're like, well, he could be subbed now. Like he's just, I think, I think like with anyone, it's going to take him a time. It's going to take him a while to get used to, how we play, like David said, he's gonna, he's gonna have to, he's had to learn a new, new way of playing, sort of thing. It's like re, redesigning yourself. You, you're gonna have to learn to, you're gonna have to wipe the board clean and start again. So he's gonna have to learn new ways of, of playing. Um, like you say though, like most of the time, you just see him either on the floor or tying his shoelaces. Um, you know, like I'm, I'm not, I'm not his biggest fan yet. I've got, I've got to learn to like, you know, deal with the fact that Aguero's not there anymore. And I'm gonna, I, I have to do that. That's, that's me. I just don't like the fact he's been given number ten. That's, that's another thing that annoys me. Um, so like, he's, he's gonna have to learn to, to win us round, and that's, that's the way it is. You know, I, and. You know, think don't shoot me or anything, but I wasn't a big fan of Craig Bellamy either. Like, and he did some fantastic things for us, but I had to I had to learn to to like him. He wasn't my first like person that I'd like. Yeah, yeah, I, you know, he wasn't my standout star like you. You know, your Agueros, your companies, your Silvers. You know, from my time when I started loving football, my my favorite players was King Cladsey and Rosler. Like, you know, and like Dick off and, you know, the, he, he wasn't my standout star. So Jack's going to have to learn to be my standout star. And, you know, it's going to it's going to take him a while, like it does with anyone who, who plays for us. Um, but at the moment, my, I'm sat on the fence with him. I mean, it, it, there's no doubt most people would agree that he has the skill and the talent to be whatever he wants to be. So what is it going to take to turn him around for you, Amy? I mean, it, for me, it's it's seeing that sort of Bernardo Silva type work rate, really. I mean, once he's, he's, he's doing that, then the rest of it will come naturally, won't it? Yeah, he's got he's got to learn to be a workhorse, basically. He's got he's going to have to earn that. He's going to have to earn that number 10. He's got to earn it. He's, you know, you're wearing it, you earn it. Um, and he's going to have to do a lot more. He's going to have to do a lot more stuff. I mean, the stuff he does, I'm not saying he's not a good footballer. Please don't say that, I think, because I do think he is. I just think he's got to learn to, he's got to, learn to work better. Because um, he, he makes some great runs and you think, 
you know, you see like things like Leroy Sane sort of thing, you know, he comes running in, um, you know, and he does really well and you get he gets to the to the byline, you're like, yeah, go on. And then the other team have won it or he's he's shot it out, you know, it's shot out, out of the uh, off the pitch. So he's gonna have to learn that final third. He's got he's gotta get past the players and do something. David, when you were a player, you had different managers in, in charge of your city. Some would have played one way and some would have played another. How hard is it to adapt to a new style and have a new manager bring in something that you're not familiar with? It, it, it is quite tough. I mean, obviously back then, pretty much everybody was playing 4-4-2, really. Um, and, and there were times when... Um, I remember when Howard Kendall turned up, and obviously I was playing wide on the right, and Howard Kendall turned up and uh, went to a three at the back, which meant effectively my my sort of right wing position didn't exist. Um, and that was a proper, you know, real shock to the system. So that was a, you know, regular, you know, I was playing every week and uh, getting goals. You know, we, that's that's just how, how we played. And, and um, and suddenly we're playing a what was effectively a sort of five-two-three, um, and I and he, he played me sort of left of the, the front three, um, and it was just not something you did back then. You, you know, we, we, the, these he talks about wanting good footballers as opposed to people who you know, uh, specialists in, in individual positions, and I and I found that tough. Um, but then other times, you know, I. I um, really, really started playing me as a centre forward, and, and I love that, you know, because I could do that and it worked. And and, and Quiddy and I worked well together, and I, and I was quick, and I really enjoyed that. And you know, also on other occasions, probably more at Sheffield United, probably than at, at, uh, at City, I played as a right wing back and, and found I could do that okay. So sometimes it worked for you, sometimes it won't. Ironically, yesterday. I think I heard um, that Pep said he, he he very much wanted to play a right-footed player on the right-hand side and a left-footed player on the left-hand side in in uh, Jesus and, and um, Phil Foden. And then, ironically, a, a right-footed player makes makes both the goals with his, with his his left foot from from that side. Um, I think so. It, it can be difficult. I, I just I think the problem maybe with Jack Grealish is he, he was such a a free spirit and and such a such a big fish. He was a superstar at Villa, and I, and I think a lot about Jack Grealish's game is about that. I, you know, I'm I'm the best. I'm I'm the superstar. I'm uh, not in an arrogant way, but just in a, in a way that gave him so much self confidence. And then you know, I, I I'm surprised that we brought him here to play in this very very sort of disciplined wide position. I don't think it suits him. Uh, I, I think he's, as I say, I think he's, he's done well in time. I, I wish he'd sort of pulled trigger. I think because I think I think is an issue we've always had with wide players. Going back to um, probably Navas was the the worst culprit. He, he was just such a uh, a player who want, wanted to do the right things and not give the ball away and and do the right thing, you know, the right things for his teammates. That he, he never put a cross in or had a shot. He just wanted to. Retain the possession. I think uh, we've had that, that issue with Sterling. Uh, there was, obviously was a period. I mean, the thing is with Sterling, he, he scored over 100 goals for this for this club. So um, you know, we can't can't be overcritical. But I, I just feel as though when he was full of confidence and he, he was pulling the trigger early and more regularly, taking chances, that's when we had we had the best of Sterling. And I think um, that's that's maybe gone now. And I think if if, if Grealish, Jack Grealish could. Just add that to his game. I.e., I feel as though he's trying to make goals um, when he should be having shots himself and should be taking taking chances. And whether that's a instruction from the manager or that's him, himself again um, feeling he wants to do the right thing for the team, I, I don't know. I think we've got a, a great, great player on our hands, um, but I'm not sure that playing in in that position will get the best out of him. But then you look around and you say, well, if he's not going to play in that position, who's who? Who are we going to leave out? You know, you know, you, you're unlikely you're not going to leave Kevin De Bruyne out over a, a long period of time. Does he? You know, is is he? Uh, can he replace Gundogan? 
who's kind of the second when he plays, he's probably him or Bernardo would be the secondary secondary defensive midfielder. You know, they're the players who supplement Rodrigo and give him a lift when it when it's needed. He's not going to be that player. Um, and so he's really is he really competing with Phil Foden and De Bruyne as as the the third midfielder who's the most attacking of the three. And if that's the case, he's unlikely he's not going to get in there. So he, I, I think he has to play as one of the, one of the front three. Um, I just feel as though to get the best out of him, we'd be you know we'd need to give him much more freedom. I think we'd see a miles better Jack Grealish, but it's not really the way the manager would play. You know, you're almost, you know, I'm not, not comparing Jack Grealish to Messi, but I, I could see him playing a similar role. Um, but I just don't see that the manager will do that. So I think he, he's, he's, he's going to have to learn to do a better job in the position he's, he's given. And I think he's showing the, the right signs that he wants to. Uh, I think he's showing the right discipline. He doesn't go one near there and everywhere. He's, you know, he's scored goals. He's made some goals. He's, I think he's had a, an OK start. Um, and the, the 100,000, 100 million quid, it's kind of irrelevant, really. It's Jack Grealish who we bought from Aston Villa. And we are, a, we're, a, we're a, you know, a top football club in, in the world. So... He's not come. He's not really come to be the standout player, to be the superstar. He's, he's just come to hopefully be a, a sort of a major contributor to hopefully to build into being one of our elite players. But I, I don't think it's. I don't think we've anything to worry about with it. Um, it is a quandary, I, and, and I, it's interesting to see how how it develops. Well, we'll come back in, in a moment to an aspect of what you said, but you said a lot of really interesting things there. Um, I'll ask Carlin then, you know, and I'm going to phrase it like this as a little bit of a cliche, but I'm going to phrase it like this. How do you pro solve a problem like Grealish? Um, well, I'll just solve a problem like Grealish. I, th I think... If I indeed mean, David, he is a problem, but this is the debate we're having. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, David touched on something then and said, like, you know, Jack's got attributes that, that you could you could really benefit from having in a central area. The, 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 you know, he, he drifts inside, but... But when he's in that that little pocket of space, he'd, at Villa he'd whip the ball into the far corner. He'd 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 take one touch and bang it. And now he's looking for that pass because obviously he's being asked to. Um, I think you know, like like Navas, David mentioned Navas. I was a massive fan of Navas, but one of the things was it was more. And I agree, David. I don't want to make a mistake. I don't want to. To do something that that people will believe is wrong, so I'm just going to. What do Grealish something. is doing right now when he's in the that, team, he, he's he's playing it back, he's playing it sideways, he's not doing the things that we were expecting from him. Yeah, but then I go back to what I said last week: is it him or is it Pep? I don't know. As it is, Pep said to him, "I don't want you to be as free as you were at Villa. I don't want you, to, you know, be disciplined, stay on the left hand side as much as you possibly can. But when the chance presents itself." So long as you know that Joe Cancelo will cover that area of the pitch with a higher line until you get back in, you can come inside and you can link up with, you know, the central player or, or link up with Phil if he's playing a false nine or, and, and you know, play a one-two, get yourself into the box and finish. I mean, Jack's goal against Bruges was a brilliant, brilliant goal. The, the link up, the one-two, the way he's got it back, the way he's touched it inside. They're the kinds of goals you were seeing him score at Villa. They're the kinds of goals that I think Jack should get at least one or two chances a game to pop away. And he isn't getting them. And that's because sometimes I think he receives the ball and he's not... And David David was a, was a top winger, of course. So he's not, he's not on his toes when he gets it. So he, he kind of stops the ball. And I, I, at Villa... Uh, at Villa, he was better at it than he is with us because, like I said, he's a bit more disciplined now. But I think some of the best wingers in the world are on the move as they receive the ball. They're already moving. They already know where they're going to go. And I think as I joined, David said something like, you know about, you know your next pass, you know your next move, you know your next decision. I think the winger's got to know that he's going inside 
as the ball is coming towards him, so he can move inside straight away, he can attack the fullback, he can attack the central areas. And I feel like Jack sometimes will take the ball, he'll ball roll it twice, he'll try and, you know, weigh up his options. And before you know it, they're back in. It's a deep line, you know, low block, whatever. And the fullback's thinking, I've kind of got my 50 50 against him now instead of a 70 30 that I should have had. I think we, sorry, I, I just on that. I think we we also flood those areas, I mean, um, which makes it difficult for a wide player. When I was playing, I didn't want anybody. If, if I had the ball in, in you know, in and around the penalty area in a wide area, I, I didn't want them. All I wanted was a fullback to back me up 10, 15 yards behind me. You, you to maybe to have a, a central midfielder showing. Other than that, I didn't want people. Um, come in, you know, within five and six yards of me. And I think that's what we do an awful lot of. We, we, we get into those deep areas and then we'll flood those areas with, with you know, um, one or two of our own players, which then attracts. And suddenly you, your opportunity as a wide player to to beat your, your fullback and get across in, it becomes very, very difficult. And again, that, that's obviously all by design, but I don't I, I don't think it helps necessarily the, the wide players. Yesterday, we... I don't know, we didn't seem to do that as much yesterday. And, and as I said, I didn't watch all, I've not watched the game in full, unfortunately, but listening to it on the radio, we seem to be putting more crosses in. We seem to be a little bit more direct and we didn't and we didn't seem to have the, these sort of grouping of, grouping of players, if you feel like. It's dead interesting watching it. And, and we, you know, we, we retain possession. But sometimes I, I just feel as though um, when we get into those forward areas, sometimes it's you know it's a wide, wide man's responsibility. It's kind of challenging yesterday. Um, I think particularly for the first goal, his first touch was I think surprised everybody. He's you know we everyone expected him to just take the ball and find a pass. He didn't do that, and I think even I think it was probably Basaku. He, he was he really took him by surprise by his first touch being a forward touch, and, and suddenly he's creating himself all sorts of space, and we don't. We don't see an awful lot of that. But, you know, when I was playing, we were finishing fifth in the league and not playing in Europe. And, and this team is winning the league every season, winning cups every season. So, you know, it's, it's very, very difficult for me to to argue again against it. And, it, it, you know, it's obviously it's brought us a lot of success. We just, we do still need to take that leap forward, though, don't we, where we, we genuinely believe we're going to win the, the Champions League. And just to add back onto that, Ian, as well, I think, you know, it'd be, it'd be nice to maybe to maybe see Jack's attributes in a central area. So, for example, say, for example, say, for example, Kevin De Bruyne isn't, I don't know, isn't fully fit or isn't right for a specific game or Pep believes that a Bernardo and Jack combination would be fantastic in front of a Rodri or a Fernandinho. Maybe in the last Champions League group game, if we get through, in the next match. It's a good standard of football. It's a good level to test it at. It's a really good test for Jack in the middle of the park. What you can also do then is you can play your other wide man on the left that maybe understands the role more, still use Jack's attributes in a central area because I think he played centre mid for, for, for Villa early on and he's going to already be in that, that real central attacking midfield creative zone where he can let all them them juices flow, if you want to call it that. And then when he finally gets the ball out of his feet, he can knock right, left, he can drive into the box, he can get a shot off. I don't know, there's just something about it where I think it might just be a positional thing, like like David said. And I think that, you know, that, 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 that there's no reason why we should just pigeonhole Jack as a, as a left winger. And if he doesn't work on the left-hand side then it was a waste of £100 million because Bernardo Silva got stuck on the right wing in his first season. Um, looked good, in my opinion, but a lot of City fans were blasting his, his contribution. I always said he was a central player. We've moved him inside a couple of times over previous seasons. You could see the amazing talent he had and the contribution. He got stuck out on the right again because Pep obviously had that central area taken up by informed players. Still, again, looked a bit, and everyone had said, oh, Bernardo's off the boil. He's played in the middle of the park this season, and for me, I mean, he looks like David all over again. So it just shows when you actually look at a player and actually go, what what are his best qualities? 
where would them qualities be best used? Jack, for me, would benefit us and it would benefit him to maybe give, be given the opportunity to play in the centre of the park and then Pep's got an option of, you know, vice or versa or where, you know, and the fans might then actually start to think, you know what, he's, he's actually more versatile than we actually think right now. Let me uh, let me conclude this podcast by going back to what David hinted at quite early on, which was at some point we talk about strikers. Um, and obviously, uh, £100 million was spent on Jack Grealish. Um, didn't get Harry Kane. There is only a finite amount of money you spend, even though Newcastle at the moment must be thinking... You know, we're four times richer or five times richer or whatever it is than Manchester City's owners. So therefore, in theory, we can go out and sign anybody. The reality is that you can't do that. You know, I mean, you know, if, if I won the Euro millions tomorrow and I decided I wanted to donate £100 million to sign a player, I wouldn't be allowed to. You know, I mean, I could probably build a new stand for them, but I couldn't actually do it on players. That's the, the way the rules are, whether you like them or not. So there is only a finite amount of money. Was it wise, and, and this isn't a, an original question particularly, it's a question that lots of people have asked and will continue to ask while we are where we are, uh, but, you know, £100 million on a midfielder when you've already got um, Phil Foden who plays on that left-hand side, which is where they've put Jack Grealish for now, where arguably uh, that's, that's Raheem Sterling's position, although I personally would prefer him on the right, but there are other alternatives... And, and so you go out and spend all this money on this player who's at the moment not quite up to the tempo on the way that City are playing. Would it not have been better to spend that £100 million on a, a striker? Now, the bit we don't know, of course, is whether or not they tried to do that and didn't succeed. But it, it looks on the face of it as though they were prepared to spend two lots of big money, one on Jack Grealish, one on Harry Kane. Kane didn't happen. But now that it didn't happen... You think was too much effort put into one of those signings, and maybe there should have been other options. Amy's nodding along. Let's hear from you, Amy, on this one to begin with. Well, it's like the age-old thing, isn't it? Like when we when we're scoring loads of goals, we don't need a striker because everyone can everyone's scoring a goal. If we only score one or two, and as you know, it was on the Sky Sports yesterday the percentage of goals this season's not been as high as it has been previously, um, they're going to turn around and go, yes, we do need a striker. Um, it's the big matches for me. Like David said before, the Champions League matches, the cup games, you need that person to, to make a difference. And it's all very well, everyone in the team being able to score a goal. You need the striker um, for the big games when when it really means something. Like it could be like the Leicester game with Vinnie Company, for instance. That was like, you know, it was out of this world because it wasn't expected. But you you need that. You, you in sometimes it might be that split second that you need that that goal to make the difference. And we haven't got that and obviously Torres is injured at the moment and I just hope that he will, you know, hopefully be that person. But I do think we need, obviously Jesus is normally the striker, but he seems to be playing better where he is. So you definitely need that that middle person. And I've noticed like Edison hasn't got anybody that he can literally just bang the ball to, whereas before he did, he, he had that he had Aguero, that playmaker that he could see, and he was able to shoot the ball from his half. And Aguero was away. And I, and also I've noticed that when the other goalkeepers got the ball, there's nobody going to to try and put them off. Whereas we had that before. Phil Foden started doing it, I've noticed, but I never I didn't think I that we needed one, but when you look at the percentages of how low our, our goal thingy is at the moment and goal difference, as we know, sometimes makes the difference as well. Um, so, yeah, I think I think we we definitely need to get a striker, at, you know, at some point in, in you know, in the next um, open thing. I really do think we need to start looking for one. I've just written a newspaper column that will be uh, online in the next couple of days and, 
in that I've suggested that during this international break, while we're all um, missing watching City, um, that I'd be staggered if Cheeky Bigeristein isn't actively looking for a, a striker in January to bolster City's second half of the season ahead of the Champions League. Now, whether that's going to be Haaland, whether that's somebody that we don't necessarily are aware of at the moment, who knows? But I can't help thinking that in January, despite the fact that a lot of people say things don't happen in January, although I think Edin Dzeko came in January, for example, that, 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 that it can happen and that the rules of the Champions League have changed in the sense now that you can actually sign a striker or a player indeed from another Champions League team and there's like a reset in January unless I'm very sadly mistaken you never used to be able to do that you couldn't sign a player in mid-season so in theory they could go and get Lewandowski or they could you know get Mbappe or something like that um Harlan just before I come to David for the final word on this podcast what what are your thoughts on on this subject um I'm, I'm, I'm very hopeful that that Liam Delap can come through and and be a very good striker for the club going forward. And now you mentioned his name. Just let me say because a lot of people ask me, you know, why yeah, did he not yeah. play? For example, the other night uh, that I also watched the under nineteen game, he has had an injury. He's been out for about three months. He played, I think, forty five minutes of a match and. As far as I'm aware, he's not got a, a relapse of that injury, but they are easing him back in bit by bit. So he will be on the scene uh, fairly soon now. They won't be the League Cup options that they had before uh, because obviously we're out of that competition. But he will, I'm sure, get back involved in that first-team squad. But go on, Harlan. Yeah, so I'm hopeful that he can, can, can have a very good City career. Chances are that there might be especially after the injury, maybe one loan deal or something like that, where he goes out and, and then comes back. What I don't want to happen is what happened to Lucas Nemecha. Uh, but he's gone out now to, to, to Germany, scoring for Wolfsburg, of course. Um, the, the thing for me is with, with, with him, just before I move on to whether we need one or not, which obviously we do, in my opinion, is that if you look at Haaland when he was signed by Dortmund, and I've mentioned this on a pod before, he was at Salzburg. Now, he was young, he was 19. He started banging goals in for fun. Grew a real kind of, you know, um, you know, got a real vibe going. Dortmund wanted him, they signed him. Great coaching, great opportunity given to him. And obviously, raw talent, as his dad said. And, and I think we can all agree that he is an absolutely outrageous striker with an unbelievable conversion rate. I think he's like a goal every game or something in it this season, I think. So you look at that and that's not an accident. That's just because he was given the opportunity combined with everything else. We 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 need to believe in Liam and believe that given the facilities, the quality, the coaches, the, the, the you know ability that he's obviously got in the academy and what we saw against Burnley when he scored that, that, that scorcher in his first, I think it was his full debut, um, we've got to believe that he can come good. So there's an option there, but is he the, the option right now? No, he's not. We probably will go out and sign Haaland. We've been debating this for over a year now. We probably will do. We're probably the best option for him. His dad, the connections. Um, Alfie's obviously going to be probably looking for the best move for his son, of course. There's going to be financial, obviously, uh, you know, thinking behind it as well. But I think if he had a choice, the financial situation for, for, for Erling was right, he would have him come to City. I think we'll do it. I think we'll get it over the line. We do need one because, like Amy and David have said, I think you've said it to me as well yourself, it's pivotal moments in pivotal games and you can't break a low block down. A ball will fall. Someone will snap shot. Back of the net. Thanks for coming. Uh, balls into the box. You know, a real tall target man or even somebody that's just got power and real kind of presence. We are missing that because why win a game 4-0 and go... We don't need a striker because uh, we scored four when you could have won eight. Now the striker, it's one of them. You know, you've got to be ruthless in football. It doesn't matter how many goals you score. You score as many as you can in 95 minutes or however long you've got. So, yeah, we do need a striker because even if we didn't start a striker, we've got one on the bench, we've got an option. It's always good to have more options than not. Always good to have an headache and not have one at all. 
Last word then to David. Um, thanks very much for your time, by the way, David, and to no Alan and Amy as well. Um, you, you mentioned it ages ago. You, I'm guessing you come from the school where we have to have a striker. I, I definitely do, yeah. I mean, as, as we say, we, the, the strikers we seem to have, um, Jesus and, and um, Torres, you know, they, they seem to be more comfortable playing in sort of wider positions, maybe. Um, I, I, ju I just feel that it's, it's one thing spreading goals around your team, around your squad, but that's, that's only any good if, you know, you're spreading 12s and 15s and 17s and 18s. I, you, you know, I um, going back to when I was playing and Adrian Heath came as a, as a second centre-forward, got a lot of grief for, for not scoring, not contributing, but um, in, in terms of goal scored. But, you know, Quiddy was scoring, uh, I was scoring, Wardy was scoring, but we're all, we're all scoring high double digits. I think even Wardy's got 14, I got... 17 or 18, when he was in the 20s, that, that's, that's all, you know, okay. But if you're talking threes and fours and um, your fullback's getting a couple and it's it, it's not not going to be good enough. And I, so, and the other thing is, um, there isn't, you could run an argument to say, let's play with a false nine. Um, but I, I just don't think that that's a, a position on the field you can be interchanging. I think if, if you if you're going to play with a false nine, we have to know who that is. And ultimately, that it becomes a number ten, really, doesn't it? it without kind of without nine. Um, but I think it's such a it's such a new role that somebody would need to know right how do I do it and and and, and learn the role. And we stick with that that same person. Everybody's had a go at it, and everybody's going to play it in a in a in a different way. And not none of those players really used to playing with with the back to go. Um, I, I don't know enough about the Haaland deal. I, I would, I would suspect. Well, I would have very much suspected that potentially the Kane deal would have been back on in January. Um, and I, I, I still have the feeling, and I think that's what I try and do. Definitely, I, I think um, you know he, he's going to take some convincing to believe that Spurs will be in the Champions League next season um, and, and and the years are passing him by a little, a little bit you know that I think he, he's going to want to play in the in the Champions League next season he's unlikely to to get that with to get that with Spurs um, so that deal may maybe will be re revived a bit you know what will be much more favourable rates I guess I guess to City Newcastle um, are going to probably disrupt the market I think I think the I think they can spend in terms of cashing, um, so they, they could go out and do some stupid things um, in year one, because then they, they effectively, it's not to do with the cash you're laying out, it's to do with the how much the the players are, are hitting your, your balance sheet, really. So you could they could go out and I think I think potentially they could, they, I think they make 100 million quid a year, they're allowed to, they could turn the books around to lose 100 million quid a year, but that's, that's all. So if you buy a pelt player and put him on a five-year contract and you're paying 100 million quid for that player, it's actually only costing you 20 million quid a year. And that's that's the way the FFP works. So they could be massively disruptive. But again, I, I just don't... I, I see the Newcastle thing being a... I don't think they're hurting anybody for five or six years um, in terms of uh, us needing to worry about them. I, you know, that's my, my honest. I think the players... Will certainly take some convincing to go there this year with the threat of relegation. Uh, elite players, um, they're just not going to be able to attract them for for a number of years until they, they, those players genuinely genuinely believe they're at least going to be playing in Europe the following season. Um, so, well, you know, will they be, be in the market for the likes of Kane and, and uh, Haaland and about? I don't don't see that. Um, so, I, I think you know my. My answer would be either decide who's going to be the false nine and play him every week, but only if if the 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 sort of average goal contribution is is double digits, you know, for, from your, your your top six or seven goal scorers. That's the only way that can work. Or get yourself a, a proper centre forward who's going to score 20, 25, 30 goals, which is which is what we've had and what we've been used to and what our success over the last. Um, Eight or nine years has been has been based around. Uh, so so that would be it. But my um, my choice would still be Harry Kane.
What a great way to go into the international break. Um, a 2 0 win at Old Trafford. Um, Ali Benabi on the vlog against uh, Bruges last week was saying we need a striker. David's saying the same sort of thing. Ireland's going for Liam Delap. Uh, all sorts of opinions, but two goals and a very, very comfortable victory at Old Trafford. Um, now, next week's podcast, there will be one at exactly the same time as normal. It'll drop on Sunday night UK time, uh, but it's not going to be topical. We're not going to talk about anything current. We're actually going to do a city quiz. Uh, Adam P, Adam W and Andy are going to do a quiz, which um, I have compiled for them. So you'll be able to see how you compare to how they do in that quiz. And by the way, you don't have to be like a really knowledgeable or, you know, a Gary James type knowledge and have all your reference books out. There'll be things you can guess and hopefully it'll be a bit of fun. So that's something to look forward to in the middle of the international break. The other side of the international break, Ned Manure has agreed to come on and be our guest on the podcast just after the Everton game. So we'll look forward to that. Um, thanks very much to David, to Harlan and to Amy and to you for listening and subscribing. And thanks very much to charleslouis.co.uk, Chartered Mortgage Advisors and so much more in the house transaction business for supporting this podcast. I really, uh, really appreciate your support, guys. But more important than anything else, City went to Old Trafford and, and almost played, I dare say, at a canter, just did enough to win by two goals to nil. It could have been more, it should have been more, and it's great to be a blue.